thanks to our sponsor Nintex. If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, would you take it? Because our friends over at Nintex want to give you a gift. The gift of time. Seriously, if you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you definitely should. The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities and most recently, a new eSign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products you know and trust, including Nintex Workflow and Forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to sprint it however you want. Test drive the Nintex Process Cloud at Nintex.com. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 349. Today, AC and I are going to talk about conference season, credge updates, and some news. Recorded live February 26th, 2020. This episode is brought to you by AvPoint. If you like the Cloud Show, you will love the Shift Happens podcast with Microsoft MVP and Regional Director Dux Raymond Sai. Each week, Dux talks with one of the industry's brightest stars about their most challenging modern workplace or digital transformation projects. He uncovers the players, organizational hurdles, and last-minute surprises that inevitably arise when ambitious people try to impact their workplace. Season 1 features FedEx, Wells Fargo, Heathrow Airport, United Airlines, and other industry leaders. Go to www.avpoint.com forward slash blog forward slash shift happens or search for the hashtag shift happens. That's one word, hashtag shift happens, wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe today. Back to the show. Good morning. Hey, CJ. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And yourself? Not bad after a week off. Thank you again for covering in my absence. I was hitting the skids with the kids on Whistler. You look like you were having a lot of fun. It was really nice. Nice. I mean, for winter, it's a, obviously, you know, it's a great activity. Get out of town. Get the kids. They were, they were on midwinter break. Took them up to Canada, eh? For all of our Canadian listeners. And uh, I got to go back to the land of metric, just over the border, <laughs> and, and spent the week at Whistler, which was nice. It was really good. Awesome. Explain to me this concept of winter. What is that all about? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's like when you open your freezer and you put your hand in. Ah, it's like when you're getting ice cream or ice. Got it. Okay, got it. Yeah, if you open your freezer and then you blow into it, there's all this cold air that comes out. That's what winter's like. Oh, okay. I guess you have to get dressed up for that, though. <laughs> Or it's if like if you turned your air conditioning down to about fifty, and then just stood naked in front of the vent, and aired yourself on it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's winter. <laughs> she sounds appealing in the middle of summer. That sounds appealing. <laughs> if we have any listeners from the likes of, I don't know, Finland, perhaps. <laughs> They're probably just chuckling, going, you do not even know what winter is. Yeah, if you don't store your milk outside, it's not you don't have winter. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, that was nice. How about you? What have you been up to this last week? Oh, man, work and personal work. I'm in the a project that I expected to take three days. I'm on week two. Saturday will be the start of week three, but I think I'm almost done. I'm doing a big remodel and replumbing and new filtration stuff. I have a 125 gallon fish tank in my office, aquarium in my office, and I've been redoing a ton of stuff with it. It's been like sanding the glass, getting scratches out, getting residue that's mm. gotten down into the glass, didn't really, like cutting holes in glass, ton, PVC left and right. My office is a complete disaster. I mean, it's there are PVC shavings everywhere on like one side of my office. But as of about 30 or 45 minutes ago, I think all the plumbing is done. I mean, I've been leak testing now. Like the tank is 28 inches tall, I think. And I've got about four or five inches of water. So the bottom level I know, which is the one I'm most concerned about, it's not leaking. I had to strip all the seals off, put new seals on, re-silicon the seals. And now if there is a leak, then I can always drain the water down to a certain level. Fish can still gotcha. live. And then I can cut out the seals and I can reseal it while they're still in there. So I don't have to worry about removing stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of water. That's a lot of weight, right? It is. It, and that's one of the hard parts is I can't, I have like, I have a shelf. So it's about 1600 pounds when you figure the glass is about 180 pounds and then it's 125 gallons of water. Mm. And so it's about 1600, 1700 pounds. 
and it's on a shelf with no supports under it. <laughs> so it's held up on both sides, both sides of the wall. That it's severely built up. There's a big steel beam at the front of the shelf. Oh, I see. But it still bows a bit. And so I have these cabinets underneath the shelf that slide in and out. But getting them out is really hard. So once you get one out, I have a car jack and a two by four that's actually lifting the, the shelf up. Jack up the- <laughs> I, actually, I did see that in one of your photos. I saw the car jack and I was like, what is going on? Well, that's part because I'm under the table, the desk a lot, and I've just got this fear of a thing coming down. If it comes down, it's like 400 pounds. Yeah, no pounds joke. So. It did, right? <laughs> 1,600 pounds? Well, it's not. I won't fill it up until the cabinets are back underneath it. I see. I need to, the, all the plumbing is done now. I'm letting it cure this afternoon. And then once that's done, I can do leak, like really solid leak testing. And once I know there's no leaking, then I can put the cabinets back because all the pe- all the the piping is behind the pe- the um, the cabinets. So once I feel comfortable mm. with that, I'll slide the cabinets back in. Then I can really start filling it up. So the reason I'm doing this is because a tank is an aquarium has a life. The seals on an aquarium, which is the silicone in the corners, it has a lifespan of about seven or eight years. And after I that, see. it can start. It really starts to kind of degrade and everything. And mine's been. They did a really crappy job when they made my tank. So. I've been having this plan to redo this for like three years now. When I finally got the tank down to a certain level and I got all the stuff out of it, I finally found a label on it that said when it was manufactured and it was manufactured in 2008. So I'm way past the seven-year mark. Gotcha, gotcha. Ticking time bomb. Yeah, so I had to strip everything out of the tank, gut completely gut it, and then dry it to get all the seals off. But... And I've always wanted to change the filtration, the plumbing, because every week it's about 30 minutes, 30 to an hour and a half of maintenance every week, every two weeks. And so now it's going to be significantly easier. People who are Aquarius, I'm going from canister filters to a sump. The plumbing is now set up to where I literally just go up, close one valve, and it will dump 20% of the water down the drain without even touching anything else. Open that valve back up, close one, open another one up, and it fills the tank back up. There's an emergency overflow, so if ever the system starts having too much fresh water being put back into it, it automatically dumps it right down the drain. There's, I don't have to do anything. Man, that's going to be great. It's close. I, you, you know what the biggest pain in the ass is about this? Sorry for language. Is that, so this weekend, starting on Friday, I'm officiating a swim meet for two and a half days. Friday is really the day that I can really start having this thing go, but I want to be home when the pumps and everything are cycling yeah, the water sure. around. So. I want to get it running and then everything good. And then I want to drop the level down uh, a couple inches until Monday to where I can start it back up again and really babysit it. Yeah, it makes sense. Oh, I hope it all goes well. I've only made 10 trips to Home Depot in the last four days. <laughs> I think you were texting me and you said something about a whole bunch of trips to Home Depot. And I was like, any good project takes at least four trips to the hardware store. Oh, God. Something like that. Six Amazon orders in the last two weeks. It was seven trips to Home Depot on Saturday and Sunday for plumbing stuff. It's been one trip every day since then. Put it to, I always overbuy stuff because I know I can return it. And yeah, yeah. I walked in with like 10 receipts and or 10 receipts and a whole bunch of bags. And I'm like, so here returns. Pro tip for the for your listeners out there. If you have a bunch of Home Depot stuff that you want to return and you have a bunch of receipts, you don't have to separate it. You can scan all the receipts and then when they go scan them all at one time, and then they just start scanning all your items back and it knows how to collate it to the receipts. Huh. Oh, it's how about that? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, um, before we get cracking, are you coming out for MVP Summit this year? I'm not. You're not? Ah. Oh, I'm not. I'm going to miss you this year. Well, if Summit even happens. Oh, yeah. It's... My... Oh, we shouldn't make fun of it. It's the Kung Flu. My Corona. <laughs> yeah. The uh, They sent emails out and saying, you know, we're watching it. Everything's going to be fine. But, I mean, with that many... With an event that is that international, it just seems, and even with the news that came out yesterday from the American Centers for Disease Control, they were like, avoid large meetings and stuff like that. I'm like, well, this is a large meeting and it's from people all across the globe. Like, this would be like a great opportunity for this thing to really go big. But Hmm. that's not why I'm not coming. It's the same week as my kids' spring break. We've got plans. I'm going to go see an IndyCar race. I really was going to go to Sebring. There are no hotels for the Sebring IMSA race that weekend. Hmm. But no, I'm not coming out to Summit. Go camping. No, no camping. Not me. <laughs> no camping for you. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to miss you anyway. Yeah. I guess it's easy for me because it's in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'll be monitoring this viral situation and deciding whether I want to run the risk. We'll see. Hmm. When I travel to Australia, I've never seen 
so many face masks than I did in the in the airports mm-hmm. this trip. It was pretty uh, pretty fascinating, especially considering most of the face masks don't actually do anything, but makes people feel better. So there you go. Yeah. All right, let's get on to the show. This episode is sponsored by ShareGate. For those of us familiar with ShareGate, we know they've always been about SharePoint and Office 365 migration. But now we've all moved to the cloud. Like me, you're probably thinking about how to scale your Office 365 to a full self-service environment without worrying about thousands of groups and teams popping up out of nowhere, aka sprawl. That's why the folks at ShareGate developed ShareGate Apricot. It's a solution that helps us automate our Office 365 groups governance by allowing us to collaborate with users to keep everyone accountable for the things they create. They're super simple to use. In-app experience lets us lighten our load by delegating group management responsibilities to users we trust, aka no more sprawl. Wanna get your hands on ShareGate Apricot? Try it free for 30 days at sharegate.com forward slash cloud show. And now back to the show. Okay, see, so conference season is warming up. By conference season, I mean the rest of this year. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was just sitting back the other day and thought, gosh, you know, Build is coming up soon. And then I was thinking, because Build is uh, May the 19th through the 21st, and I was was sitting back and I was thinking, do I want to go to Build this year? Again, it's it's quite straightforward because it's in the same city as I am, so it's easy to get to and things. I think we'll be going in one way, shape, or form for the podcast. So I'll probably end up going and doing some interviews with people at Build and things like that. But I just sort of it popped into my head yesterday and I was thinking, oh Build. Gosh, that's gotta be that's gotta be coming up. It's a little bit later this year, so it's in it's May 19 through 21. And I was thinking, man, that's those dates sound really familiar. <laughs> what's going on? What, what's happening? And it turns out the SharePoint conference is also scheduled for May 19 through 21. Mm-hmm. The exact same dates. So, yeah, that's uh, a little bit awkward. But then I got thinking, well, there's a whole bunch of other conferences. When are those? And so I went and looked some of them up. And I know you're speaking and doing doing workshops at a few of these. So are there any ones in particular that you want to point out that you'll be attending over the next few months or or, or what have you to, um, to highlight? I will be at the SharePoint conference, kind of. I'm doing two full-day workshops the first two days, but then... Before the first keynotes even start on the first official day of the conference, I'm on a flight back home. So I'm not sticking around for it. It's nothing about the conference. It's just the third year in a row. My wife's birthday is right in the middle of it. Mm. Two years in a row, I was bolted and was not at home for her birthday, and I just wasn't willing to do it again. Yeah, fair enough. I'm doing the workshops, and then I'm heading out. It's going to be kind of cool because the workshops that I'm doing, one is... Kind of like a, if you've never done SharePoint Framework, it's a full day, get ramped up on the SharePoint Framework. And then day two is, all right, let's level up. So if you've already been doing SharePoint Framework stuff or you went to my day one workshop, then now we're going to do things like unit testing, automated builds, real telemetry analysis, performance of your site, of your apps, stuff like that. And so it's a really good like two-day SharePoint Framework boot camp if you do Mm. both those workshops. The other one that I'm going to, that I'm going to be at is uh, actually a month earlier at the SharePoint Fest in Washington D.C. That one I'm really looking forward to. I'm doing a bunch of stuff there, I'm doing two workshops, three breakout sessions. But one of the workshops I'm doing, I am co-presenting with Mark Rackley, and we're going to do a session, a workshop that is he's going to take an existing jQuery plugin content editor web part solution that he's built. And he's going to port it from his perspective over to the SharePoint framework. Mm. And I'm going to kind of add commentary and stuff while he's doing that. And then when it's my turn to get up for like the second half of the day, I'm going to show how to build the exact same thing. But if you were doing it as a native SharePoint framework thing, and I don't want to say doing it the right way because that implies that what Mark did in the first part of the day was the wrong way. But, but it is. Well, yeah, I'm not going to say gotcha. that. But I'm going like, <laughs> to try and do it using React. And so no jQuery. Yeah. And do the ex- I'm going to try and do the exact same thing using React. We have this great idea. I haven't built my part of it yet. I know it's possible. I just haven't done it yet. So I'm sure I'm going to run into some roadblocks along the way. But yeah, I mean, those are the, those are the two that I'm most looking forward to. Build has been a letdown for me the last couple of years. I just don't, I don't see much of a reason, much of a value in being there. And I tell you, I'm a little disappointed with Microsoft that they've got the Build conference and the SharePoint conference the exact same week because... 
you know that there's a lot of people, at, a lot of Microsoft presenters at the SharePoint conference who are going to do their session and then bolt to get back to build to do a session there. I, I doubt it's going to go the other way around. Yep, I totally agree. It's going to be, it's actually, that's a real pain. Either build's going to suck for Office and SharePoint people or the SharePoint conference is going to suffer because people are going to run back to build for doing sessions there as well. I don't know how these two groups can't figure this out and shift one of them. Like, it's nuts. I wouldn't be surprised if the Build Conference or like Microsoft's marketing is doing this intentionally on the SharePoint Conference because the SharePoint Conference does seem like it's kind of a little rogue thing that's going on. So, well, it kind of is really, but it, and it's not run by Microsoft, right? Right. It's a third party. So, yeah, Microsoft, I guess, don't really care, but, but a certain faction uh, in the office marketing team obviously would or should or something like that. Anyway, I think it's a real shame that they haven't figured this out. It'll mean that I'll have to pick. Yeah. I want to go to, I would like to go to both, but I'm going to have to choose. And yeah, I'm torn. Yeah. Well, one of them is no travel and one of them is travel. So, I mean, that's, that might be an easy decision for you. <laughs> yeah. One of them is Vegas. One of them is not Vegas. <laughs> exactly. There's two other shows that I, I would love to do, but I'm not doing them this year. One of them is one you and I have both done, the North, North American Collaboration Summit. In April. Yes, shout out to Mark Rackley, who is a good friend of the show and is the organizer of that conference. Mm-hmm. That's in April in Branson, Missouri. And then our friends, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to forget everybody that's involved in this, but I know Addis Juno, Spence Harbar, and I really shouldn't have started naming names because I'm forgetting people, but like the European Collaboration Summit over in Frankfurt and Germany in Wait, that's listed as October. Is it really October? I thought it was in June. Oh, maybe I've got the wrong one. Cloud Summit. I'll take a look at that. Yeah, 20 through 22nd of October 2020 in Frankfurt. That's a different show, I think. Because I thought the conference, that's the European Cloud Summit. The Collaboration Summit's different. Yes. The other thing I found around these conferences was I was having a back and forth with, or said some, I can't remember, Spence Harbaugh was posting something on Twitter about uh, on Facebook about session planning. I was like, oh, I wonder if I've got this old spreadsheet that I used for SharePoint Conference 2011 session planning, I think it was. Anyway, so I tweeted an image of that. I used to call it the spreadsheet of doom, which was, it was 19, I think it's like 19 or 20 concurrent rooms for a capacity of 12,500 people, or sorry, 18 concurrent rooms, a concurrent capacity of 12.2 thousand people. It was just, it was a manual nightmare for session scheduling. And we used to color code things for different audiences. And then we used to have to go manually figure out whether there were conflicts of speakers, you know, like speakers speaking at the same time in two different rooms, for example, and things like that. And we used to do it all in this Excel spreadsheet for the SharePoint conferences for, I remember doing it for 2009. I don't have a copy of that spreadsheet. I don't think, but I found the one for 2011, and it's pretty fascinating. Like to look back at the topics, and then I looked at this year's thing, and the topics are all basically the same. It's really, it's really, it's really interesting. Like, if, I mean, you look at the dev sessions; they're a little bit different, right? There's a few SPFXs thrown in the mix, but man, some of the same. Like, you know. There's the like the migration ones. There's like the building solutions using blah. There's the branding and making things look good. There's the yeah. <laughs> there's the BI and data sessions. There's I mean it's fascinating. All the categories are basically still the same. That's a crazy big spreadsheet. I I can imagine that's a really hard thing to oh, deal it's with. A freaking nightmare. It was a mission. I don't know if like that app or that site Sessionize helps planners deal with that, or if it's just a hey we can we'll go ahead and slot everything up. For you, and then you figure, and then uh, you can go through and make tweaks and stuff. But you know, if it alerts you that, you know, hey, you got the same person speaking at the same time in two different rooms, or you've got them in two different rooms. I remember being scheduled for a conference where I was literally speaking in two different rooms, but across at the Orange County Convention Center, I was on one hall and then had to go straight to the other hall and had someone that was kind of like blocking you know blocking and tackling for me as I'm running across the um the expo floor like <laughs> pack up sorry can't do any questions <laughs> yeah yeah well so after so strangely enough in 2009 there was a company that helped us with organizing the SharePoint conference and they went on to go build some software called Hub which I sit on the board of to this day in fact it started from the spreadsheet the spreadsheet was the beginning of that software and, uh, and they deal with all that sort of stuff now, so you can automatically detect conflicts and all that sort of stuff. But I just thought it was really interesting looking back at this Excel sheet and going, 
Oh my gosh, I can't believe we used to do it like that. And Spence posted a photo of some wall, I think, somewhere on Facebook, and he had a whole bunch of 3M sticky notes up on the wall because he was like, this is ridiculous. We've got to stick it up on the wall so we can visualize it. (laughs) And um, and was moving all these sticky notes around and stuff, and I was like, I remember something like that. (laughs) First PC. Anyway, that was... uh, that was fun and games. Never underestimate the power of, of visualization and sticky notes. Exactly. Up on the wall is is best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Collab Summit is the one you were talking of, yeah? Yeah, that's the one that I thought. Yep. I thought that because that one's more specific to... I that's guess, more specific to us. Yeah. yeah. That's the one in June. I think I've picked the wrong wrong link and stuck it in our notes, but we'll, we'll get that corrected. Yeah, it's already fixed. June 8 through 10. There you go. Yeah, I'd love to do that. They do great review and great feedback from the attendees. I wish I could do that. The timing is just it's tough for me. Yeah, fair enough. All right. This podcast is brought to you by Raygun. Raygun provides full stack error, crash, and performance monitoring for tech teams. Whether you're a software engineer looking to diagnose and resolve issues with greater speed and accuracy, a product manager drowning in bug reports, or you're just concerned you're losing customers to poor quality online experiences, Raygun can provide you with the answers. Get full stack error and performance monitoring in one place. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Head over to raygun.com and get up and running within minutes and dramatically improve the online experiences of your users. And we're back. Cool, let's dive into some news. So first up, we've got some Azure news. Have you been keeping up with what's been going on with Sphere? You know this Azure IoT solution that they have? I'm familiar with it. I've not been keeping up with it. I've not been paying attention yeah, to it. Yeah, I've been reading some of the news and things, but I obviously haven't I haven't played with it. I'd be interested if anybody listening to this has played with it or is doing anything with it. But good news is Azure Sphere is now GA as of yesterday, I think, February 24th. And there's a post here from a principal group program manager on Azure Sphere to talk about IoT and, and going GA with Azure Sphere. And it, it looks pretty interesting. Like Microsoft has sort of taken an end-to-end approach with this around security and and some of the aspects that you don't want to have to necessarily cobble a solution together using. So I don't know. I would like to like it like my laundry list of things. I'd like to dig into more. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get my hands dirty with some of this stuff and and get into it. But if there's anybody listening who's playing around with this stuff. We'd love to talk to you and get your view on what they're up to. It's a cool product. It's it's a cool offering. It's something I'd like to dig into more. But like you said, I don't I don't play in this space enough. I don't know enough about it to where I can really I can really speak intelligently about it. But yeah, I was going to try to do a bunch of IoT stuff with my aquarium remodel that I talked about at the oh, beginning yeah. of our show. Yeah. And um, let's just say Scope Creep. I finally recognized Scope Creek, and there's just a I need to get this done and. So there's no automation in it. Yeah, leak, le- yeah. no leaking is it was my priority. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and get, yeah. getting the fish Pro out of the zero, bathtub. Don't leak. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. What have you got for us? I got an article here from ZDNet. Microsoft to open Azure regions in Spain and expands its Telefonica relationship. They're serving up. Microsoft Azure, Office 365, and Dynamics 365 in a couple data centers that are going to open in Spain and. When they do that, they've also got some, um, the telecom, Telefonica, is one of Microsoft's or is a strategic cloud partner with Microsoft. And it's going to enable them to deliver more capabilities in the region when all of this opens up. So it'll be interesting to see where they're going to do with this, how it's going to enable them to do more stuff. There's some things, I don't know if, I guess what I'm curious about is that there's nothing that was really holding them back today. But I wonder if it's a data sovereignty kind of a thing, and they don't they want to do it if only if it's in Spain, because they're talking about they wanted to be able to take advantage of things such as AI, blockchain, edge cloud computing capabilities. It seems to me that it's more they wanted to keep the stuff in Spain for data sovereignty reasons. So that's why it's enabling them to do some more stuff. Yeah, Microsoft expanding its expanding its geo footprint yet again. Mm-hmm. Finally, on the Azure side. If you do stuff with video, I found an interesting article here called Burst 4K Encoding on Azure Kubernetes Service. Mm. So this guy talks about, has written a blog post about using uh, media ingestion into Azure, dealing with 4 and 8K video, and using this, I think it's a partner product from Media Excel. 
which makes some software-based encoding solutions that you can use with with AKS, I believe, to get this stuff done end to end. And it talks about you know some interesting things like network bandwidth between components starts becoming a problem at you know these high at these high quality or high resolution video formats and being able to do like on the fly encoding and things you start having to think about you know the the thickness of your pipes between components even within azure for example so i just thought it was an interesting article obviously there's a lot more 4k video floating around Publishers and things are going to st- content creators are going to start live streaming in 4K and all those sorts of things, and obviously Azure and and some uh, media some partners are uh, are starting to think about how to do that in Azure, which I thought was fascinating. Again, it's another area I don't know much about, having not done anything in the space before, but um, just interesting to see watch 4K video on YouTube. Right, you can crank that up now, and th- I've always wondered like that must take quite a lot of effort to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even just recording video in 4K and dealing with it on your local workstation is a pain. It is. It, I mean, that was the big test they made when they, when this one reviewer was reviewing, uh, what is it called? The big, the new big, like $50,000 Apple Mac, uh, Mac Pro. Mm. And he was comparing it, like, he was comparing, I think, encoding 4K or encoding 8K uh, red, uh, red, red video. And... Yeah, it was interesting. It was like he was comparing it like here's what it was with the original trash can Mac, here's what it was with the iMac, and here's what it is with the new one. Uh, it's interesting. There was you mentioned AKS. It's not directly related to AKS. It's a Kubernetes thing, but I did run across an, an article that I, I saw that I tweeted out uh, through the podcast. It's by a guy named Tuan An. It's a story behind an episode, or sorry, a, a conference presentation that he gave. He's given it a couple times. Mostly really in 2008, but the title of it is Cloud Cost Optimization at Scale, How We Use Kubernetes in Spot Instances to Reduce EC2 Billing by Up to 80%. And the behind the scenes of the of how he did it, it's very interesting uh, how they do like, you know, they do the spike uh, spot instances to keep them from having to to maintain like always running nodes and stuff. So it just interesting. So if you want to go back and check the tweets, I can put it. I guess I can put it in the show notes too, just for the hell of it. Yeah, cool. There was another another article from ZDNet that we got here. Uh, Microsoft to add two new Dynamics 365 apps to its portfolio. Yeah, any Dynamics listeners out there? I, for one, have not been keeping up with what's going on in Dynamics land these days. No, it'd be nice to get somebody. If you do spend time with Dynamics, I'd love to get you on the show because we'd love to just talk about, hey, what's the story? And apparently there's a developer story with it too that I didn't know about. But they're adding two new apps to the portfolio. One is called Dynamics 365 Project Operations, and one is called Dynamics 365 Finance Insights. Project, you know, it's one of those things that's like this enormous ecosystem just around Dynamics that I know nothing about. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when you're uh, you're in like a casino in Las Vegas and you walk around the corner and you're like, oh, I wonder what's around this corner. Hold- Look at this huge <laughs> shark tank. <laughs> you open the open the door and it's like a football stadium full of people. And you're like, oh, okay, hi. Yeah. The first one, Project Operations, uh, they're going to make it GA in October. Uh, it'll replace the existing project service automation offering and combines features from Microsoft Project and Project Service Automation. And then the other one is uh, Finance Insights that'll roll out in May, so just right around the corner. And it's going to offer users a way to proactively improve their company's cash positions. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Push the easy button, get money. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. I thought it was just buy Tesla stock in the 300s, sell in the 800s. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Quite side caveat. I'm reading the Musk biography at the moment. Pretty good, isn't it? I'm riveted. (laughs) Absolutely riveted. I love it. (laughs) Anyway, I, I digress. Hey, now here's a really interesting one. Have you heard of a thing called Outlook Spaces? Mm, I know when Outlook Spaces out, but I don't know Outlook Spaces. <laughs> Sorry, I might have lost my voice. Nice dad jokes. Yep. There was a guy, I think, guy or girl, actually, I've got no idea, <laughs> who's on Twitter as Walking Cat and has found this new thing called Outlook Spaces, which purports to be a place where you can bring together sort of like a sticky noteboard, I guess, like a pin board or something, where you can bring like bits of email and parts of your calendar and notes and things all sort of together. And he found, he or she, Walking Cat, they found this video that describes it, and we've linked to it on Twitter, and apparently it's coming to Outlook first, apparently, I don't know. And then 
they have also posted a tweet that's part of in this thread that outlook.office.com forward slash spaces is the way to get to it, but it's currently in working on it mode or in develop or under construction. But they've also found that if you open the dev tools in your browser and go into storage, local storage, you can go add a key to enable the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you can turn it all on. And uh, I'm going to give this a shot this morning and see what it's all about. But my first thought, I don't know, call me a raging cynic, but my first thought was, really, another collab tool? It's all the, uh, it's all the rage. You need it. I'll leave my, my nagginess at that for now until I've had more of a play with it. We'll revisit this again. I don't know when they're going to talk about this, when Microsoft's going to talk about this, if at all might be an Ignite thing, who knows. I don't know, but Outlook Spaces is apparently a thing. It may be just somebody's side project. Like Nobody really knows what this thing is about, although there's a fairly well-produced video, which sort of means more than just a dev was involved. I guess we'll find out what it really is. But you can go at least... Hopefully it's still enabled if they haven't taken it down. But yeah, you can go in and enable it if you want. Spaces helps you stay effortlessly on top of what matters. Forget worrying about dropping the ball. Well, that would be huge for me. I do that a lot. <laughs> you know what's interesting about this tweet? This tweet stream? Mm. Only person that's commented on it for Microsoft? Microsoft Teams. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like three tweets in. Now, they're responding to one person. He said, this would be a perfect tab add-on with Microsoft Teams. It's an interesting tool, blah, blah. And Microsoft Teams comes back and says, hey, John, we encourage you to let the development team know what features you'd like to say by adding, see by adding your features here. God, that, that just sounds like a copy-paste tweet from the Teams bot, doesn't it? It does. Like when anybody mentions Teams and, oh, I wish it had such and such, yeah. then they reply, hey, it'd be really interesting if you submitted a user voice. You know, that's a good point. I may have just been, I may have been sucked into that one. We'll see. I don't know. Anyway, Outlook Spaces, stay tuned for more information on that. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, let's see what do we got here. We got I have a Surface link, it looks like. Microsoft has a spring hardware event, Surface Book 3 and Go 2 detailed. This is going to be on oh wait, did they actually say when this was? When's the event? In New York City? It's, yeah, usually New York City, but maybe they haven't set the dates yet. Expect the event to be held in New York City. All they say. <laughs> Microsoft will be announcing new hardware for the Surface family that will include an update to the Surface Go in the long overdue Surface Book 2. If history is any indicator of the future, expect the event to be New York City. Great, thanks. Ah, Got it. Speculation. Yeah. Got it. Not really news. I actually, okay, I'll, I'll admit, I We're the media actually reporting quite on the media. like what Microsoft are doing with the Surface hardware at the moment. I think my next laptop is going to be a Surface device of some description. I'm ready to... I'm ready to try it out. Are you really? Yeah, it's been years since I've been on a Windows device. I'm ready. Are you tired of Mac OS or is it you just want to just change it up? No, I really like my Windows PC at home and I find I find it a bit annoying switching back and forth, honestly. I would too. I would too. I, I, I guess there's two ways you can look at that, right? I mean, have your home PC switch over to Mac or vice versa. That will never happen. Okay. Never, ever. Okay. Maybe not ever. But never. <laughs> it's one of those things that you used to. I play. No, I just play too many. I play too many games. I've got like a. Oh, okay. I've got like a GeForce RTX 1080 Ti, 2080 Ti video card, and play like Elite, and I've got like Hodus, and I've got crazy like. I love playing like AAA video games from time to time, and so I'm never going to do that on a Mac. Like they're just they're not that that sort of part is not really um it's not really a Mac thing, right? Like the the AAA title type game stuff. I'd love to do a um, a hackintosh. I'd love to build a a, yes. a machine. Yeah. There, there's a friend on Facebook who's doing a lot of research in it. Um, there, a lot of work has gone into it. When people saw how much that the Mac Pro was going to cost, and so they've been doing a lot more work and showing how to do it and stuff. And then like what the cost comparison is if you did like a Mac Mini with an external GPU, and if you just did everything yourself. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of a risk to go this way. I'm like, well, yeah, but isn't it still just a Windows machine, a really badass Windows machine if it doesn't work out for you? And he's like, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've dabbled with Hackintoshes in the past, but it was many years ago and it was quite hacky. I understand it's quite a lot smoother now. I'd like to give that a shot. Yeah, I just find that with gaming and my, my side projects and things, I just find a Windows PC at home is better for me. But anyway, so yeah, I might give, I might give a Surface device a crack 
in the future. We'll see. Cool. I do have a quite a nice work Mac laptop at the moment, which is far from being needing to be replaced. So I'm quite happy with that for now for work purposes. Yeah, I've really found, I've loved having the 15-inch MacBook Pro. I thought I wanted to drop down to a 13-inch. Yeah, I dropped to the 13. I got the 12-inch iPad and love using that. If I'm not doing coding, I use my iPad for everything. And it's like, I absolutely love this thing. I, I mean, it's a second screen when I take my, when my MacBook is with me. It's great. I absolutely love this setup. I would love to have a desktop to where I could render video a lot faster than I do right now, but that's like one of those tasks that I do every once in a while or I do it in a batch and it's something that you can usually just say, all right, go process the videos. I'm going to bed. I'll wake up in the morning. Everything's done. Yeah. You know, the next piece of Windows, Windows well, it's not really Windows, is it? It's Android, I, I guess. Like the, what is it? The Duo and the, there's two, what are the two folding thingies? The Neo and the Duo? Yes, that's right. Yeah, the, I think those will be those will be my next bits of Microsoft hardware, whichever one of those I choose. I really like the idea of one of those little notebooky doodads for conferences. I can't remember which one it is. That's where, that, I love my iPad for that. I do too, it's just too big. Mm. I want something I can stick in my pocket. Oh. I don't want to carry a bag around. You know what I mean? I do. I know you carry a bag around. That's why I like this duo, because it looks like it folds up and I could stick it in my pocket. Just for traveling light at conferences, sitting in in meetings, taking notes, stuff like that. Like I, I don't know. I do love my iPad Pro. Absolutely love it. I use it quite a lot. But uh, yeah, these things, for some reason, this excites me. Anywho. Yeah, it's all good. I just love what Microsoft are doing with the Surface line. Like they, they, It seems to be going pretty well for them, so... It's good. Except for the ear, their version of like the AirPods, like the oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they look the things that looks like you've got a butt plug in your ears. I'm so glad you said yeah. it. And I didn't have to say that, but yeah, it's just like look, the microphones, the, the Surface butt plugs, but they go in your ears. I'm the, I'm the crass one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they look pretty dodgy in your ears. Oh, anyway, yeah, I don't. Hey, um, if you're a Credge user. You know the Chromium Edge browser, the new Edge. Like, what a dumb name, New Edge. Like. Everybody doesn't like Edge. You'd think you'd come out with a new name for it. Sorry? Is that what they call it? New Edge? I think so. Like, if you go to the Edge website, it's like the new Edge. (sighs) Okay. Crazy. Mm. Anyway, if you're a Credge user, Microsoft have actually started doing some pretty decent stuff with Credge, and they've started publishing uh, kind of a little bit of their roadmap, I guess, for want of a better word, about what they're going to be working on. And so we put a link in the show notes, which is an aka.ms link, which will take you to the latest Edge top feedback post that they're starting to publish. And so they'll come out and, you know, they're talking about a highlighter tool for PDF files has been, they've adopted that as being planned. And anyway, you can go through what they're planning and where, kind of how far out and what their expected sort of ETA is and all that sort of stuff. So if you're a Cred user and looking for particular features and things like that, you can go check out this list or this blog post, I suppose, of what they're planning and what they're, what's in discussion and what's under review and what they're taking on and all that sort of stuff. What's your primary browser? Chrome. I switched. I switched to Credge. I put it on my iPad, I put it on my phone, and I put it on my desktop, and I changed my default browser to Credge. Holy moly, I did not expect that. Yeah. I did that about a week ago. Why? Well, the reason why I originally did it, I'm finding I'm really pissed off about because it doesn't work. And that's the account sync. I've heard there's some problems with account sync for for work accounts or something. Yeah. So if you have, it's not clear. And when you actually, when you put this link up, the first thing I did was go do a control F and be like, all right, sync, where is it? So if you want to sync like you can with Google Chrome accounts, or sorry, with, with your Google account and having it sync between all your devices. Mm. If you do it with an MSA account, works just fine. If you want to do it with your Azure AD account, which is what I want to do, yep. you have to have an Azure AD premium license, which is six bucks a month minimum for each user that wants to do this. So I'm looking that's at this. crazy. Yeah, so I looked at this. Well, I, I looked at it and was like, well, that's So that's one the other thing that's a little... So hold on. You can do it for free with an MSA, yep. but you need Azure AD Premium Okay, so th- let me, for a work account. Let me finish what I was saying here. So I, that's what my understanding is because that's what I saw in a lot of the forums. But yeah. then I saw another post from someone, in, from someone from Microsoft in the same forum saying, we're aware of this and we're working on it for February for a soon update. So apparently it's known that doesn't work. So today... 
Like, if, and what's weird is it kind of works and it kind of doesn't. So, like for me, when I have my Azure AD account that I use for my tenant, so my primary email, it says not syncing. Sync is not available for this account. But I also have a Microsoft vendor account, and for that one, syncing does work. That's the main reason why I wanted to do this is because. I want Yeah, but that's Microsoft's tenant, right? Exactly. Which that's where we got all the premium features turned on. I'm sure, yes. And so I and that's why I looked at it going, okay, so the premium stuff kind of makes sense, but is it supposed to still work for everybody? So that's the main reason I switched, is because I wanted to I wanted to be able to have myself logged in with my Azure AD account, but I also wanted that to and I wanted to do that both with my account and my Microsoft account, because I've got to jump into my Microsoft email and Microsoft Teams, and I gotta do that a couple times throughout the day. For, a product, yeah. for something I'm working on. And so I just, I was like, oh, this will be easier if I do it this way. And I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Let me go ahead and switch browsers. I don't know. I mean, it's funny because at the SharePoint conference, they're sending us emails saying you have to use Edge for all your demos. I'm like, man, that's shit. Who's going to notice? <laughs> no one's going to, because they look the exact same. Oh, dear. We're back at that, aren't we? Oh, I saw, oh boy. I saw that and I was like, like I, I saw an email come out and someone's like, going, did you see we have to use, you have to use Edge? I'm like, Somebody going to walk up to me on stage and say, you got to use a different browser? Yeah, that happened a lot to begin with, with regular, with the old Edge, right? Until everybody figured out that like half the stuff didn't work with it and it was a pain. And and remember that guy that installed Chrome on stage at some conference? I can't remember. That was brilliant. But oh, yeah. Just hilarious. And it went it went sort of viral. But yeah, that's just silliness. Yeah, I'm, I, I saw that email. I'm like, GTFO, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I remember doing a demo like we were we were talking about demos for a build conference, like a keynote build conference, and we were we were presenting a bunch of demo ideas to execs at Microsoft, like uh, Scott Guthrie and and Sacha was there, and Chris Capicella and these guys, and Terry Myerson was there, who was the who was the head of Windows at the time, and he was absolutely insisting that everybody everybody instead of building web apps that they needed to wrap the web app in like this universal windows wrapper thing yeah. so it turned into an app and everybody's like get just cuz you can doesn't mean you should that's what I was, like, again get the fuck out of here yeah nobody <laughs> does that dude get a grip and yeah it was pretty comical anyway i'm glad we yeah didn't end up needing to do that but anywho the uh, it sounds like very that sounds like very old windowsy type behavior yeah it's kind of a pain right now that you've got to that you have to have azure ad premium so my account's not syncing and i'm i've debated going back to chrome and i'm like you know what i'm going to hang out for a little bit i do yeah give it a shot because i hmm. i love going to open it on my phone or my ipad I'll open stuff up on my desktop browser and then I'll leave the house when I'm taking my iPad to go take my kids to swim or something like that. And while I'm waiting for them, like, open up my uh, my iPad, connect to my hotspot and give it a few seconds and ta-da, I can see what I was working on and go back to those browsers. But I can't do that anymore. Yeah, that's nice. So. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, report back on your, uh, on your findings. So far, so good. That's the only thing I complained about. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. Okay, I see. It is that time of the show. Time for some picks. What do you got for us this week? So one of them is kind of like a listener pick that he didn't really submit it as a listener pick. And I've kind of submitted it for him as a listener pick, but he's already gotten a key. So if you've already gotten your solo key, and you want another one? I guess we can give you another one, even though you didn't submit this. This is from Ben Stedjink. I love this. If you're on a Mac, then this is for you. If you're not on a Mac, then my sympathies. So if the, <laughs> it's called getwebcatalog.com. So here's the cool thing. You know when you're in Teams and you have to be able to switch tenants? You ever had to do that, CJ? Oh, God. Yeah. Shoot me now. <laughs> so what GetWebCatalog does is it's an installable thing that you put on, that you install on Mac. And what you then do, it's got a huge catalog of apps, including things from Slack to uh, Facebook Messenger to Google Docs, et cetera. And what it does is it creates installs of these apps as, think of them as like web apps inside of a desktop app. Yeah, like a wrapped, speaking of this Terry Myerson UWP wrapped web thing, yeah. similar to that. But there's, yeah. there's nothing you have to do. It's basically just install this and then you get this. What I really like about this, though, is that I spend a lot of time in two or three different um, Microsoft Teams tenants. And jumping between them is just a pain in the butt. And so what's neat about this is that it allows me to have two instances of Teams that have their own desktop shortcuts and everything in, the, in my dock. 
and I can launch both of them. And so I can look at both instances of Teams very, very easily without having to re-log in. If you try to do it in two different browsers, I mean, yes, you can do incognito in one and then regular in the other one. It's, it's, that's still a pain. It doesn't work well. I mean, you can still do it, but there's more setup. This, no setup, just works. Love it. Yeah, there is a equivalent GitHub project that will wrap any web app like this as well, but it works for Mac and Windows, but it's a bit more devy because you've got to run some command lines and it'll create like a an exe or a what have you binary mm-hmm. that will run it. And so I'll try to find it again. I think we've talked about it on the show before, but it sounds pretty similar. This just seems a lot easier. I like it. Yeah. I've been using it now for about a week and I absolutely love it. Yeah, multi-tenant, that's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Awesome. How about you? So that's from Ben. That's from Ben. Yeah. So Ben, if you want another solo key, just let me know next time we have lunch. I'll bring one. My two picks, one's geeky. Well, they're both pretty geeky. One's spacey. The first one is, have you ever done anything with microcontrollers, electronics, where you need like an oscilloscope or a multimeter or something like that to test current? Yeah, a lot. Okay. So get this, Indiegogo project. It You basically buy this fat pin. It's got a little connector on the end of it, and it connects to your phone via Bluetooth. And your phone is the UI for the pen, and you just use the things to touch it, and it just does everything that you would want, everything you'd want it to do. It does it all through the phone, which it just it shows how useful these damn phones are now. Especially like iPhone specifically. I guess Android, you could do a lot of the stuff too. But the thing with iPhone, it just turns it into it turns it into a physical hardware device. You've seen it like. There's stud finders, there's things that they do in the medical profession where you can use it for like sonograms and stuff. You end up just buying the the device that knows how to scan. So I think this is awesome. This thing is cool. It's really tempting to go to back this project. I'm a little miffed at backing projects right now because the two or three hardware projects I've backed are now all on hold thanks to the Kung Flu and all the factories closed down in China. Oh, yeah. They were all about to ship too. I was going to get one of those, um, what are they called, GAN chargers? The new... AC adapters that use the new GAN technology that they, I don't know. They're much smaller. So I can, like a power block yeah. for, a, for a MacBook is the size of a credit card. Yeah. It's like GAN, I think it is. And it uses a different, oh, yeah. it uses a, it doesn't use like lithium ion. It uses something else. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's like the next big wave in chargers. But speaking of chargers, I've got this other link that is found on uh, Hacker News. This dude compares the Apollo 11 guidance computer to present-day USB-C chargers. Let's see which one's more powerful. <laughs> and apparently, the USB-C chargers Genius. are more powerful than, and all they do is they're just charging like a laptop or they're just charging an iPad. They are more, char- they can do more, like there's, he compares a Google Pixar, a Huey, and an Anchor all to the Apollo, the AGC, the moon landing computer. AGC, yeah. That is red. I've, I actually came across this the other day and had a bit of a read. <laughs> It's pretty fascinating. It is. It's pretty interesting. Consider like people don't even think there's a processor in your in your laptop charger. Yep. And that it is capable of more instructions per second than the Apollo guidance computer. It's crazy, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I think that's absolutely fascinating. Cool stuff. How about you? What you got for us? I've got an article that I've found absolutely mesmerizing. I don't know if you're a watch guy. Well, you are a bit of a watch guy. Yeah. I know that you are a little bit of a watch guy. And I definitely know you're a space guy. Oh, yeah. So this is right up your alley. This is an article on a website called Monochrome, the truth about the real Armstrong's and Aldrin's Speedmaster references and how the Omega Speedmaster became the Moonwatch. So it's basically the story of how NASA went about finding a watch for spaceflight. And there's a bunch of rumors and speculation about how this all occurred, but this guy went and talked to a bunch of people and found some of the original folks that were working on this project and ended up doing this project with Omega kind of partly in secrecy and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, it's a, it's an interesting short read on how the Speedmaster became the Moonwatch really and cool. ended up going into space and being the first watch on the moon. Not the only watch on the moon, the first. As it turns out, there have been others in space, but um, not on the moon, I don't think, actually. Anywho, to this day... The Speedmaster Professional, with a steel Speedmaster Professional with a, ca- with a steel case back and a Hesselite crystal, is the only EVA-rated watch that NASA will fly. The only EVA-rated, that's awesome. Yes, yeah. So there have been lots of other watches go up into space now that NASA's cool with, but not for EVA. Like, EVA in particular, because, you know, if you break 
the crystal or the front of your watch or whatever. You don't want the shards like ripping a hole in your mm-hmm. spacesuit and venting and all of that sort of stuff. So Hesolite is not a like a glass like you typically have on the front of a watch or a crystal, mm. sapphire type crystal or something. Anywho, if you're into this sort of stuff, it's pretty nerdy. There is an Amiga Speedmaster in my future at some stage. It's just a matter of when. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, would, I think I want a vintage one, not a new one. Yeah. So it might take a while. <laughs> <laughs> keep saving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or keep finding. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. But anyway, that's that's a quick article about how the Speedmaster became the Moonwatch. Another quick pick that I've got here, if you are into or if you need to move money around the world, like between countries and things, I came across this service online called transferwise.com. If you haven't heard of them, they're pretty big apparently. I'd never come across them before. But it made it so easy to move money around. We're not sponsored by them, by the way. <laughs> this, I, I just had this need the other the, the other week that I needed to transfer some money. I needed somebody in one country to put money into my account, right? And you think, how hard can that be? Turns out, it's pretty hard. Unless you want to send an international wire, which costs money and it's a bit arduous and painful and you've got to go to the bank and it's, blah, 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 it's a pain in the butt. TransferWise, I opened a TransferWise account created my own personal sort of bank account, if you will, in one in New Zealand, one in Australia, and one in the US. And I got account numbers in each of those countries. And then the person in Australia that wanted to give me money just popped money into my Australian bank account. And it was in my TransferWise account. And then I could shuffle money between different currencies. And they give you the interbank rate between currencies. And it's all very transparent about what fees you pay. And you know, it's not like when you walk into a bank and they go, yeah, we can give you you, know, you give them 100 bucks US or something, we can give you 200 fizz-fuzzle credits or whatever, and you're like, cool, but I don't know if that's a good deal. Yeah. And they they hide all their fees and all that in the tra- in the, in the exchange rate. The, these guys make it really transparent. And it was started by the first employee of Skype. No kidding. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, who had this problem. Him and his buddy, he was in Estonia or something, I think, and his friend was in the UK. And he had stuff to pay in the UK and his friend had stuff to pay in Estonia. And instead of doing expensive wire transfers between the two countries, he said, well, hey, if you agree to pay this for me in the UK, I'll agree to pay for this in Estonia. And they were like, maybe we could use that for other people too. And there you go, transfer-wise. Money collaboration, from Skype collaboration, from collaborating on Skype to collaborating on money. I was blown away at how easy it was. Like it... You know, as a software guy, you really appreciate it when somebody gets it right. Oh, yeah. I just thought these guys have got it right. Like, I, I really I really liked it. That's cool. Very yeah. cool. Anyway, if you've got to move money between countries or get paid in another country, I recommend taking a look at them. Mm. I have no association with them, not been paid. I've just used their service. You're just a customer. Yeah. Very cool. All right, AC, let's wrap this puppy up. Be done for the week, and we'll chat to everybody next week. Sounds good to me, man. See ya. Laters. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. It helps people find out about our show and grow our audience, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com forward slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or MP3 and provide us a link so we can play it on the show. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll get notices of each episode, as well as the show notes sent to you directly each week. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening.